Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're tuned into CFRC 101.9 FM. You're listening to Today in YGK, put together by CFRC's News Collective. Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, and Erica Singh. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here's your local news rundown for the week. The City of Kingston has issued a notice of trespass to those staying at Bell Park and the surrounding KNP Trail based on the council-directed encampment protocol and increased availability of shelter space endorsed in June 22. The city's the City of Kingston has issued a notice of trespass to those staying at Bell Park and the surrounding KMP Trail based on the council-directed encampment protocol and increased availability of shelter space endorsed in June 2022. The City's Bylaw Number 2009-76, a bylaw to provide for the regulation use of parks and recreation facilities, prohibits camping and the use of camping equipment in all public parks. Since the adoption of the encampment protocol, the process to relocate unhoused individuals staying in public parks has been ongoing. With new shelter spaces and warming centers now open, staff will continue to work with those staying in the encampments to access services prior to the transition deadline of Wednesday, Jan 11th at 5 p.m. After this time, sleeping or camping, including the installation, construction or maintenance of any type of structure intended for human habitation, such as tents or shelters at Bell Park, the KNP Trail, or at any other city-owned park will not be permitted. Curtis Smith, Director of Licensing and Enforcement Services, says, Our goal is to ensure the safe relocation of those staying in the encampment. We're grateful for the ongoing work of our community partners to assist individuals in accessing services that will aid their transition. The encampment protocol was reinitiated by City Council on June 29, 2022. At that time, over $1.1 million was allocated to support transitional housing and services for people staying in city parks and other areas, where risks to their health and safety are increased. The protocol and related resources can be found on the City of Kingston's website. If you are experiencing homelessness or are concerned about a person in need of help, please call the following number and the street outreach team will be alerted. 613-542-6672. Now, with notice of these trespasses at Bell Park and the KNP Trail, new shelter beds and supports for unhoused individuals have been opening across Kingston. Over 60 new drop-in and shelter beds in various locations across Kingston are available for unhoused individuals, with more opening later in the month of January. With financial support from the City of Kingston and the United Way KFL and Day, there are now more options and supports available for people experiencing homelessness. Operated by Lionhearts, the Adelaide Drop-In Warming Center located at 38 County Street is equipped with 36 pods that can accommodate up to 40 people on a first-come, first-served basis. Dawn House has opened a second location at 805 Ridley Drive. This newly renovated space offers transitional housing for 12 women and women with children. The west wing of the building will offer six spaces as of January 9th and increasing to a total of up to 17 spaces through January. In addition to the services and spaces funded by the City of Kingston and the United Way, KFL and Day, St. Mary's Church will offer 12 overnight spaces for men only beginning January 9th. The church is located at 260 Brock Street. Laney Hurdle, Chief Administrative Officer of the City of Kingston, says supporting the expansion of services that offer unhoused individuals a safe, warm space to sleep is one part of the city's approach in addressing homelessness in Kingston. We are continuing to work on collaborative efforts with community partners to ensure that all Kingston residents have access to housing supports and resources. Home-based housing street outreach team regularly checks on known individuals experiencing homelessness. If you are experiencing homelessness or are concerned about a person who may need help, again, you 
you can call the number 613-542-6672, extension 130, or you can email streetoutreachteam at kingstonhomebase.ca and they will be alerted. If you or someone you know is in distress, you can also call the Addiction and Mental Health KFL and Day 24-7 Crisis Line at 613-544-4229 or 1-800-616-6005. If it is an emergency, though, please call 911. Even as a result of the trespass notice and new shelter beds and supports for unhoused individuals opening up, the Mutual Aid Cataraqui Kingston has released a statement to stop the inhumane evictions at Bell Park. Mutual Aid Cataraqui Kingston learned on Friday, January 6th, that encampment residents near the integrated care hub and within Bell Park received the no trespass orders, which state that they must leave by Wednesday, January 11th at 5 p.m., which we just heard earlier. Max said, We are heartbroken, confused, and infuriated by this news. The notice states that alternative quotation services are in place. However, the shelter and service options available continue to be insufficient to meet encampment residents' diverse needs. In a letter to nearby residents of the new Adelaide Emergency Shelter, the shelter is described as a, quote, substance-free facility, unquote, that is only open between 9 p.m. and 9 a.m. This is not the low-barrier shelter that people who are unhoused and who use substances keep asking for. Encampment residents have concerns about the shelter, asking where should they go for the other 12 hours of the day that the shelter is closed. Where can they store their belongings? Why stay in an overnight shelter when they will need to make their way back to the ICH the next day? City of Kingston must stop trying to force people who are unhoused into housing options that do not meet their needs. People who are unhoused have continuously raised these same concerns since the 2020 Bell Park encampment and well before then too. Mutual aid Cataraqui Kingston is calling on Kingston City Council to stop evictions at the Integrated Care Hub and Bell Park. The evictions are inhumane and will distance people from the life-saving services that the ICH provides, they say in their statement. They also call on the city's housing department to implement housing options that meet the needs of people who are unhoused, such as low-barrier shelter options for people who use substances. There is a reason that the ICH is always at capacity. It is low-barrier. The cycle of evictions and the message that the city seeks to hide people who are unhoused, rather than provide the housing and support options that are desperately needed. Residents are not a problem to be solved. They are fellow residents deserving of dignity, respect, and autonomy over their lives. The residents of the encampment deserve better. However, in the meantime, city officials and people at the Integrated Care Hub will be working with those in the encampment to relocate them before the trespass notice deadline arrives as of January 11th at 5 p.m. Those are your local news headlines for the week, and now we are going to throw it over to Cindy for our local artist to watch. I'm Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call with this week's artist to watch. I know I can speak for a wide spectrum of Kingston music fans when I say we are excited for the month that local 18-year-old artist Luella has ahead of her. She debuted her first single with us on the Indie Wake Up Call, and she took some time to break down Luna. I started kind of like really delving into um, music, obviously during quarantine with my dad. We, um, he has his own recording studio, so North of Princess Recording Studio. And um, it was just a big project for us to just, you know, start making music. It's always been a dream of mine, and we finally had the time to do it. So um, Luna was um, 
it kind of came after a stint in which I had lost like a lot of energy just mentally and and physically and I had actually stopped playing music for a good three months I just like couldn't bring myself to do it even like doing things like I enjoyed like just took too much energy so it came after a long period of that where and finally you know my parents always tell me you know when you're going through something hard they're like just write a song about it like write it down and at the time I was like yeah okay whatever like I'm not gonna do that but then they were right and I just felt like it made it things so much better just to like you know write it out even like originally I wasn't even gonna like release it it was just for me to you know kind of cope with everything that I was feeling you know and um yeah Luna sort of came to me it was like calling back to um my past self, you know, because I kind of felt like I had lost myself for a while. So um, one of the big lines is, um, I miss me, where is she? So I, I think that that's a really strong one in there. Um, and it really speaks to the whole message of the song. Like I had just like lost a piece of myself and I, I wanted to to get her back and to be back and enjoy things again. <laughs> um, and so I remember I played it for my dad and he was like, we have to record this. Like, And uh, we did like the first take and he was like, just all the emotion there. He was like, this one has to be the only vocal take we use for the song. In the end, I was like, no, I think I can do better. But um, that really speaks just like, how powerful the the moment was and everything. Now, as you can imagine, Luella's schedule is full. Music videos are being shot right now. I highly recommend you follow Luella on social media to keep up and follow her journey. I expect big things. I'm Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call. Check in next week for another artist to watch. Thank you so much, Cindy, for that amazing artist to watch. Don't forget, folks, Luella is actually performing this Saturday night at the Broom Factory with Fan Club Wallet and Almond Milk. Be sure to check it out. Tickets are online at kppconcerts.com, or you can go to Brian's Record Option and get them as well. They're only $13. Doors are at 6.30. Show begins at 7. And it is an all-ages performance, so be sure to check Luella out. She is very talented. She's really up and coming, and it's just going to be a great time. Anyway, thank you again so much, Cindy. Thank you, Luella. And uh, let's throw it over to Erica with our Campus Corner. Hi, my name is Erica Singh, and I am so excited to welcome you back to Campus Corner for the first time this year. Before jumping into headlines, let's do a quick recap of what Queen's University has accomplished in the past year. 2022 has been an incredibly busy and successful year for the Queen's community. One major milestone was the return of in-person convocation ceremonies, which celebrated the classes of 2020, 2021, and 2022. These ceremonies had been on hold for the past two years due to the pandemic. In terms of academic achievement, Queen secured a top 10 position in the Times Higher Education Impact Rankings, placing 7th out of more than 1,500 institutions globally for advancing the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. There was also a special ceremony to mark the appointment of Chancellor Murray Sinclair, which celebrated Indigenous culture and tradition. To improve access to education, Queen's implemented several new financial aid programs, including the major access bursaries, which are increased and targeted towards admitted applicants with the highest financial need. The university also took steps to advance the goals of the Scarborough Charter, which focuses on equity, diversity, and inclusion. Four committees were established to help achieve these specific targets within each of the four categories covered by the Charter. 
Philippines also made a significant economic and social impact in the region, with a new Deloitte report showing that the university generated over $1.6 billion in local benefits annually, including 10% of the jobs in Kingston and 11% of the regional GDP. The university also unveiled a new indigenous gathering space at the Albert Street residence, which was designed by an artist and highlights indigenous ways of knowing and being. In an effort to reduce its carbon footprint, Queen's University committed to reducing the emissions of its investment portfolios by 2030. The university's new strategy aims to maintain significantly lower emissions than the global benchmark and drive meaningful change. Finally, the Faculty of Arts and Science welcomes seven new faculty members to the Black Studies program, including four Queen's National Scholars. The search for these new professors focused on equity, diversity, inclusion, anti-racism, and scholarship. As you can see, it's definitely been a productive year. Now here is some campus news. The Queen's University Library is in the process of developing a new strategic plan for the next three years. To gather input from the university community, QUL is holding a focus group session in early 2023 where faculty, students, and staff can provide feedback and ideas on the updated QUL strategic priorities and proposed actions. If you are interested in participating in one of these sessions, you can fill out a survey on the Queen's University Library website to express your interest and provide written input on their library strategies. All members of the university community are encouraged to participate in the process as QUL aims to create a strategic plan that is responsive and relevant to their needs. In other news, the Queen's University Faculty Association, or QUFA, a labor union representing faculty and staff at Queen's University, has voted in favor of a strike mandate. Of the 1,077 voters, 82% voted in favor of a strike if necessary. QUFA is currently six months into renegotiating the 2019 to 2022 collective agreement with the university administration, which expired past June. The union called for the strike vote in anticipation of entering conciliation with the administration in January 2023. If an agreement is not reached during conciliation, job actions such as a strike could occur. The university has acknowledged the vote and stated that QUFA could be in legal strike position by early February 2023, but emphasized that a strike or lockout is not necessarily imminent. In other news, Cure Cancer Classic, a student-run initiative at the university, has hit an incredible milestone of raising over $1 million for cancer research through various events over a 17-year life. The most recent event, the Queen's Classic Hockey Tournament, raised more than $120,000. That's all for Campus News today. Now over to sports. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara, and welcome to your CFRC Sports Update. It's the new year, and your Queen's Golden Gales are starting the year off right. The men's hockey team had two away games against the Nipissing Lakers over the weekend. In their first match, the Gales kept it close, but trailed 2-1 going into third until Duncan Campbell would score an early goal in the third to tie the game up. It wasn't until the 14th minute that Matthew Hotchkiss would be able to score and give the Gales the lead. And finally, Campbell would deal the finishing blow to score his second goal of the game of the night with just under a minute remaining, giving the Gales the 4-2 win. 
Their second match against the Lakers would prove to be more difficult than the first. After being tied in the second period 2-2, the game would remain scoreless for the third period and overtime. The Gales fought hard and managed to narrowly close the game winning in shootouts, improving the record to 7-9-2. Their next game is Wednesday, January 11th at 7.30pm at Memorial Center. In basketball news, the men's and women's team had an important start to the second half of their season with a game against the Brock Badgers. The women's team fought hard to keep their undefeated status and Julia Chadwick, Queen's leading goal scorer from the first half of the season, led the way against Brock with a double-double recording 18 points and 14 rebounds. Both game highs leading to a big 74-45 point win for the Gales. On the men's side of things, Brock had previously been ranked 4th by U Sports with a 7-2 record while Queens moved to the 5th spot with an 8-1 record. This match would give Queens the chance to prove themselves as a top contender in the U Sports category. The match stayed close in the first quarter ending in a tie 18-18 and then continued to be back and forth with Queens taking a 6 point lead headed into the half. The Badgers cut the lead to 1 point going into the 4th but Queens managed to pull away for a huge 83-74 point win, improving the record 10-1. But that's all for your sports coverage for today. Now over to Chris Laurie with a community update. This is Chris coming in with your community update. This week we have an interview with Stacey Kelly, Executive Director of the Community Foundation for Kingston and Area. Just to get started, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Stacey Kelly. I'm the Executive Director at the Community Foundation for Kingston and Area. Awesome. And for those unfamiliar, what is it that you guys do at Community Foundation for Kingston and Area? The Community Foundation is really sort of a vehicle for people to express their philanthropic interests and values and, and really... Um, getting money into the community through community organizations. So they set up funds with us here at the Community Foundation. And uh, and then basically we get that money out into the community. I think uh, for 2022, we will put about, I think, 1.2 million into the community. Awesome. And I believe you guys give out community grants. It's fall and spring. Is that right? We have a number of grant programs. There's actually four main ones. But yeah, most people certainly know us really well for the longstanding community grants program. That is correct. And as you mentioned, they certainly uh, have two rounds, which is in the spring and in the fall. And so I think we just went public with the, the results of the fall round. And uh, mm -hmm. it was a very uh, successful round for many, many folks. And uh, we were able to uh, distribute uh, uh, just over $500,000 uh, through that uh, grant round. So um, that was a really, um, you know, very competitive uh, and very engaging process to see the amazing work going on by our community partners. So for the community grants, what sort of impact do these grants make on the community? Well, that's a great question. And there's just so many types of ways <laughs> it impacts, right? Sometimes it's about sort of um, allowing folks to sustain some new programs. Uh, sometimes it's allowing folks to uh, purchase some key things to support operating. It can be like equipment, for example. I know we had an organization who bought, um, you know, uh, a new range so that they could provide food for seniors. Uh, this was in, uh, you know, in the rural Frontenac area. And I think, you know, those kind of things are super critical. They're mission critical. And, and sometimes it's finding to start something new, really to pilot something new. And so I think what's wonderful about the community grants program is there are a number of different streams that people can apply to uh, in order to, you know, help um, sustain and, and thrive their organizations. Awesome. And applications for your um, the upcoming cycle open on January 6th. What kinds of organizations are eligible to apply? Now, this is a very special program. This is called the Community Services Recovery Fund. Okay. Uh, and it's actually funding over $400 million in funding that's actually coming from the government of Canada. 
And what's really in interesting about this is um, it's really a collaboration between the Canadian Red Cross, the Community Foundations of Canada, of which we are a member, and the United Way Centre Canada. And so really this funding is going to be addressed for community service organizations. So that can be uh, in nonprofit organizations, Indigenous governing bodies, and of course, registered charities across Canada. And, and, and you know, in, there's been sort of similar funding um, over the last few years. And I think what was maybe more around just sort of survival funding, this is really about supporting organizations as they adapt to the long-term impacts of the pandemic. And um, uh, you can come right to our website, cfka.org, and we, it's right on our fr front page, and you can take a look at more information there. Thank you so much for all that info. Is that website the same place that people can apply? Uh, we link to the government. It is actually a government of Canada that is operating oh, the portal, but we're happy to provide as much information as we can to help people make good decisions on which stream to apply to. Perfect. Thank you very much for all that. And you gave us your website. Is that the best place where people can keep up with you? I think it's a great place. And of course, uh, we're also on social media. So we uh, certainly encourage you to uh, join us, whatever your preferred social media is. We're on a few of them and uh, to keep in touch with us. And of course, uh, um, people can always also reach out in the good old fashioned, either phone calls or uh, emails as well. That's all for this week's community update. And next up, I'm passing it to Dinah with the weather. Thank you so much. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight, we're expecting cloudy skies with a 40% chance of flurries this evening and after midnight. Winds west at 30 kilometers an hour, becoming light after midnight and a low minus 7. On Tuesday, we'll have cloudy skies with a mix of sun and cloud in the morning. Winds up to 15 kilometers an hour, a high minus 3 and a wind chill minus 13 in the morning. At night, we'll have increasing cloudiness and a low minus 7. And on Wednesday, cloudy with a 60% chance of flurries or rain showers and a high plus 4. And Wednesday night, cloudy with a 60% chance of flurries or rain and a low plus 1. And now back over to Alexandra Fernandez with the City of Kingston Traffic Report. Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here's your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge will be closed until further notice. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until Jan 31st, 7 p.m. Wellington Street from Brock to Princess will be closed January 9th from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., as well as January 12th from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. for a crane setup. Right Crescent from south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until Jan 31st for construction staging. The School Streets Initiative is still in place. The following streets are closed from 8.40am to 9.10am and 3.20pm to 3.50pm on weekdays until June 29th, 2023. Macdonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Some other delays you can expect. Front Road from Sandy Bay Lane to Country Club Drive, you can expect some traffic delays due to lane reduction to a single lane in each direction. Highway 33, east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect some delays as well. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. And Jackson Mills Road near the KNP Trail will be reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but does remain open in both directions. In terms of the Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway, the city has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Mowat Avenue and Young Street and east of Lake Watch Lane to accommodate pathway and shoreline improvements. That's your weekly traffic report, and now let's go over some events happening for the week. Hi Kingston, I am here with some amazing events that you can check out this week. Happening on Wednesday, January 11th at 
Alehouse and Canteen, located at 393 Princess Street. Canada's Drag Race winner, Gazelle Lullaby, will be back. This performing legend is going to be in Kingston, and you do not want to miss the show. You can get VIP tickets that include balcony seating and a private bar overlooking the stage. You might get a visit or two from the performers as well. You can get VIP tickets and a meet and greet, which includes the chance to meet Gazelle Lullaby, take photos, get autographs, general admission at 30 dollars in advance or forty dollars at the door online ticket sales close at 6 p.m on the day off on january 11th tickets will be available for forty dollars at the door after online sales close and hst will be added for all tickets vip doors open at 6 30 p.m the meet and greet ends at 7 30 p.m general admission doors are at 7 30 p.m and the show begins at eight o'clock this event is hosted by kingston's queen of wheat herself rowan away and featuring performances by tiffany morgan sunny rays lilith kane and more there's also a food discount at the grizzly grill and all ticket holders will receive 20 percent off any food items purchased at the grizzly grill prior to the show so why not take in a meal and some pre-drinks before this epic evening so be sure to check that out it is going to be super super fun check it out happening at the ale house wednesday january 11th at 8 p.m if you're into some sports, be sure to check out the Kingston Frontenacs that will be playing. The boys in black and gold are back and there's a lot to be excited about. Puck drop is at 7 p.m. Arrive early, games are all ages, and there is a bar for those 19 plus. This is happening at the Leon Center, of course, located at 1, the Tragically Hipway. You can buy your tickets online by going to kingstonfrontenacs.com. If you are in ArtSci and you're looking to go on exchange, the deadline for ArtSci exchange programs happens at 4 p.m. on January 14th. Um, so be sure to complete and submit all your relevant supporting documentation if you are interested in going on exchange. You must submit an external application and an application to the IPO for Killam and We Exchange programs. Consult the relevant program page for full information. Applications cannot be saved and can time out, so just remember that. But if you're looking to switch it up and travel abroad, be sure to check it out and you can go to the Queen's Art Sci website and learn more about the exchange program. And of course, an event that we're going to recommend that we already mentioned before, Fan Club Wallet, Luella, and Almond Milk performing at the Broom Factory located at 305 Rideau Street in Kingston. Doors are at 6.30 p.m. and the music starts at 7. The venue is all ages and there is a licensed bar for those 19 plus with ID. You can get your tickets online by going to kppconcerts.com or you can go in person at Brian's Record Option. Um, this is happening Saturday, January 14th and it is going to be so fun so you definitely want to check it out anyway those are your events for the week thank you everyone thank you for tuning in to cfrc 101.9 fm don't go anywhere because we have more amazing programming coming up next thank you for listening to today in ygk produced with the generous support of the faculty of engineering and applied sciences at cfrc 101.9 fm at queen's university in kingston ontario on the traditional lands of the anishinaabe and haudenosaunee peoples <laughs>